Hello there. Happy Royal Ascot Saturday to you. Happy Euro 2020 to you. Happy ladies cricket. India against England. And then the World Test Cricket Final uh, on the men's side. New Zealand versus India. Oh my gosh, it was a turgid game. The England game yesterday. I know I was, uh, as I could say, big upping it uh, yesterday. And... Um, <laughs> It was a bit of a damp squib. I mean, the Scottish played very well. You know, they they won the uh, kilt lifting competition on the pitch. If you're wondering about kilt lifting, why don't you listen to yesterday's show, laddie? And then you'll you'll get a full sort of insight into uh, all the nonsense that occurred. There was some sort of uh, fighting bout between mushy peas and uh, deep fried Mars bar. Anyway, it's in the surreal mind of a butler. It's been as hot as hell this week. It's been like a Turkish bathhouse. Um, but uh, luckily, I'm not sitting around in very small towels. Towels that are probably too small for a large man. With a love, uh, you know, another bunch of uh, very large men in small towels. Um, and then on the floor, there's probably five or six soaking wet, uh, you know, towels that look a little hairy. You know, you just don't want to get near them. You want to put your toes near them. I mean, God knows what sort of fungi you could catch off them. But that's what it's like. I mean, it's like a Turkish bath. That's how hot it's been. Um, but uh, I haven't had uh, all hair removed from every crack. That, that's one thing that I haven't had done, uh, luckily. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure in Turkish baths, those sort of things go on. Don't they use candles to, like, burn away the nasal hair, uh, burn away the butt crack hair, uh, burn away all sorts of hair from different places? I mean, I, I don't think I would want a candle near the Never regions. I certainly wouldn't hold a candle to that. That would be a pretty bloody awful, I would say. But uh, yeah, so I've got uh, Olga um, and uh, Ulrike um, uh, with large palms. I mean, it's like when Christ came back on Palm Sunday. That's how many large palms I have wafting through the air. Getting some airflow going is the key. Um, especially when you're the uh, in the uh, sort of butler's nook, which is more like a crow's nest, to be honest, uh, where I'm broadcasting from uh, this episode of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, episode 97. I'm getting quite good at this. As I said, I, I keep notches on the wall. It's um, uh, notches on the wall. And then the, and then the backup are a bunch of uh, garden gnomes. So I buy a garden gnome every week, and I count them just before the show. And uh, today it's uh, Dopey, 97. And, uh, well, it's so hot outside. What else could you be other than Dopey? Um, but I, I just need them. I, I need Olga and Ulrich to keep wafting those palm uh, leaves uh, fairly vigorously, I think. But I need some airflow to the brain. I, I'm doubling up on a cup of tea. And I started doing the Nespresso uh, over ice. And the key is the evaporated milk. I mean, that is the wonder. I mean, I don't want to put any uh, milk product or milk placement companies out of business because, uh, you know, they do a very fine job. These flavored milks, flavored creams. But the evaporated milk, you can get it for a dollar, maybe 50 cents. And it adds that sort of, mmm, so je ne sais quoi, criminess. It's, it's delicious. It's a wonder. And um, not too many calories on there. I mean, I wouldn't have it over your cornflakes. I mean, I did, 
I have to admit, uh, prize opened the can a little bit more and I chugged the last few drops of the evaporated milk the other day. And it was, a, as I always say, elixir of gods. Um, I did find another elixir of the gods very, very recently. And I will uh, delve into that during the course of the podcast. So there's a bit of a normal running order today uh, on uh, Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. Uh, some of the things I did mention, we, did, we went full out on an English Scotland uh, really tribute uh, yesterday. We looked at some of the history. We had some historical Tinder. Uh, we had some nonsense competitions that I mentioned. But this is very much back to normal today. Although Hungary won, France won is hardly back to normal, without a doubt. But uh, reigning at the cricket, well, that is normal. Uh, so some of the things that we may or may not be talking about. My mother is not cooking Sunday lunches anymore. Uh, I like the Scarlet Pimpinella foods. My surprise, two or three days in a row, what I've seen in the uh, motorhome, caravan RV, whatever you want to call it, the huge behemoth of a vehicle that people travel around in, what I've seen. Ah, garden tours. Uh, Pim's a clock. Uh, I'm dreaming of something, and I'll let you know what that is uh, over the course. Nature's weapons, smoke and uh, cotton fluff, the wonders of a wet boat shoe as well. Uh, My father found some ancient item buried in the ground i mean he's he's turning turning into some sort of uh, yokel paleontologist you would say um but we're moving away from the england scotland game did boris uh, did biden give boris a bike um was there some sort of ulterior motive there potentially um we're not gonna too many people have been utterly disgusted by the mushy peas so we're not going to look at the mushy peas anymore today but if you want to look up the sort of marrowbone salted mix of the mushy peas, if you want to know the recipe, then uh, listen to uh, listen to uh, listen to yesterday's podcast, and you'll much money penny. I don't like the look of that. Um, and also um, some of the AI things that I've seen uh, in the week uh, as we play social dilemmas again. Um, uh, do people like soup this time of year? A little souchon. Um, well, I, I do like soup. Um, we have more Trump or trombone, and we also have an enigmatic English eccentric habit. Well, it's a lovely English eccentric habit, but there we go. So it's such a bad game yesterday. I, I sort of need to. Uh, I, I need something as a. I think the Scots won. The Scots won the pride battle. Uh, yeah, I mean, we started off with Deacon Blue on the uh, musical edition of the podcast, Dignity. Well, the Scot left with their dignity. The English left with their tail between their legs. And nothing was covering. And not even a cult. Um, but uh, this Scott was left nothing but cheese toasties after COVID made food taste like soap and rotten meat. Gavin Lundy from Rodosan was left shocked when he woke up two months ago and everything tasted and smelled like soap. A Scott was left uh, eating nothing but cheese toasties for weeks after coronavirus because food tastes like soap and rotten meat. Gavin Lundy from Aragosan fell ill with a mild case of COVID but lost his taste and smell. But the 24-year-old was left shocked when he woke up two months later. Everything tasted and smelled like soap. I mean, is it like that sort of old-fashioned pear soap, that iridescent, uh, slightly orangey pear soap that tastes medicinal? I don't think I'd want to taste that. I mean, it may be nice and it feels like you're cleansing your body with a pear soap. Uh, but um, But the taste of it, is like an old-fashioned medicine the sort of medicine i used to be given by matron in the in the 1980s i think 
He believes he was suffering from a rare condition of uh, uh, parosmia, one of several COVID-related problems causing the odours of certain things to change. Uh, the only things he now enjoys are cheese, bread and pasta. Now, I think this guy is just having a laugh. He's saying, yeah, I, I, I can't taste anything. Uh, it's, it's absolutely awful, you know. That's what he's saying to his, mo- to his mother or his partner or something. Oh, that's absolutely terrible. Sounds like Alan Hansen here after uh, the England game. Um, I don't think Alan Hansen actually broadcasts anymore. But anyway, um, but uh, he got COVID back in January. It, bat- it shed a shortness of breath. He could eat a full head of garlic and bite in, into an onion like an apple. Uh, it tasted like wee while I got my taste back slowly, he said. I had phantom smells for a week. And it smells like a rugby player's locker room, basically. All those phantom smells wafting around. Um, but, you know, he, this gentleman, I mean, he's used to tasting haggis. And take that haggis tastes like arse. Not like tasted arse. But, I mean, it, it's awful. So, I mean, rotten meat and, uh, and and that sort of medicinal smell or taste is, is probably pretty much like Robbie Burns' night. Although, I, you know, I think I might do, if I did the sort of vegan haggis, I might be up for that. I think it's the it's the bowels and the and the entrails and everything else that goes into the haggis that probably uh, probably uh, probably puts chappy off his food. I would say. So my mum and dad have just celebrated their 79th wedding anniversary. No, I'm only kidding. They're not quite up to 50. I think they're 47, I believe, this week. I mean, they're still, uh, you know, they put the false teeth at the end of uh, each other's sides. But sometimes they put the wrong false teeth. Dad puts mum's false teeth and mum's put dad's false teeth. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible dilemma to have. But, the, I mean, they're, they're an incredibly uh, happy, loving, wonderful couple. I mean, congratulations on the wedding anniversary. That's an that's a, that's a absolutely fine innings, you would say. Um, but th- this week, um, there's a little bit of consternation. So in the 47 years of marriage, I don't think I've ever seen a raised word. And there was one time when I, my dad gave me a raise word when I knocked down the fruit cage with a wheelbarrow. That's uh, that's clumsy chappy for you. But um, but I mean, I don't think I've ever seen any other uh, raised word or bad language between them. I mean, it's a, sort of an idyllic type of uh, partnership most of the time. Um, but this, this, you know, father's going over, he was talking to the uh, salad cream guy. If you don't know who the salad cream guy is, last week there was a gentleman who, um, in the fear of uh, being attacked in the middle of the night by uh, the beast of Bodman, or maybe Black Shuck, um, he, uh, he decided to go out armed with a salad cream bottle, or, you know, everybody else, a bottle of mayonnaise, I suppose. Uh, so, I mean, it's, uh, th- that's what he, he's armed with. No chain mail required, just a bottle of mayonnaise. Um, but father was talking to him, and it, it, the conversation was dragging on. It's one o'clock. Mother rang the little bell. I mean, but she has the little bell to signify dinner. I mean, she doesn't have the dumb waiter where, you know, she's uh, she lowers the food down on a on a uh, sort of some sort of elevator type of contraption to father. No, 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 that doesn't happen. But he was outside. I mean, he was uh, probably talking about um, the rose bushes or how he straightens up the hedges or, you know, whatever a man of a certain age talks about, you know. Hopefully they weren't talking about tighty whities or, uh, you know, um, any sort of elixir they use to prolong their love life. And hopefully nothing along those lines. Um, but he was he was chatting away. He was being a chatty Cathy. Um, 
And uh, the, my voice keep ringing the bell, ringing, ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding, trying to get him to come in. Couldn't hear anything. I mean, he has good hearing. You know, but for a man of for a man of his age, he has very good hearing. Um, but he would come in. And she had made this wonderful roast beef lunch. Yorkshire puddings, uh, you know, roast potatoes, vegetables. I mean, it was an absolute... It was like one of Henry VIII's feasts. And, uh, and still... The bell was ringing and nobody was home. He wasn't coming in. So mother sat down for the first time in 47 years and had dinner or lunch on her own. Lunch on her own. Sitting there, crying into a napkin. Um, you know, she poured maybe herself an extra glass of uh, white wine um, just to get over the, the, the sadness of father not joining her at the table. But they have, they have like a 20-foot table sitting at each end of it. And um, no, nobody came. So she, you know, she had the, the full roast. She had the rhubarb and custard, you know, a little extra dollop of custard there for mother. And, um, and it, it still he didn't come in. So, you know, she was getting very upset. So you put it in, into the microwave. Um, it's covered it up for him to come back in. And finally he came in two and a half hours later. And I don't believe they're still talking. They may, may, may need some sort of intervention here. We may need to get some um, shrink in to, uh, to to let mother know that you know that this would never happen again. Never would. Never. Never in the history of Britain has a roast been so cold. I mean, that's that's probably that's probably what uh, what may happen. Uh, if the intervention comes, they may start talking again, and everything will go like gravy. At the moment, things are a little bit like a very spicy horseradish. So all of us need a cool drink. I mean, I love a Robinson's Barley Water, a little orange cordial that you can get in the UK. They have it at Wimbledon. I mean, everybody seems to still drink it there. Now, hopefully those bottles haven't been there since John McEnroe days, because, you know, over the course of maybe 30 years of Wimbledon, there's been a lot of sweat. Now, those Robinson bottles, if they're that old, and they do look ancient, will be covered in all sorts of sweat. There'll be so much salt. I mean, you could have had McEnroe's sweaty hair going in there, uh, Nadal's sweaty balls dripping off into the, you know, into the, uh, into the barley water. I mean, how salty does barley water get before it's undrinkable? But anyway, if it's if it's fresh and um, hasn't been uh, hasn't been poisoned with sweat, then uh, the Robinson's very delicious. I do love a hot cup of tea to cool you down. I've talked about this before. It does cool you down on a hot day um love a gin and tonic uh love any sort of uh, rhubarb cordial or a, a seltzer water anything like that it's quite nice as long as the taste is strong if it's too seltzery or you know perrier i don't like that so much like the nespresso over ice very much but if you need a drink to cool down people loving nutella cold brew coffee if you're a coffee lover but can't face the hot stuff in the sunny weather. How about this trend? It seems that Biscoff was stealing the show, but now Nutella is getting in on the action. If you fancy something different for your caffeine fix, how about Nutella cold brew coffee? It's a TikTok sensation. Uh, caffeination on TikTok is uh, is is really talk. It's trending severely. Look, I'm really talking like a TikTok influencer here. Other than I can't dance and probably can't sing. Um, you just need to get your hands on some Nutella milk, Nutella milk ice cream. Very simple. First step, half fill a glass of ice, 
Next, mix together warm milk and as much Nutella, Nutella as you dare. The creators use a heat teaspoon. It's a personal thing. Once the Nutella is melted into the warm milk, pour it over the coffee. Next, add in your espresso coffee shot. Top with cream and some extra ice if you want to make it colder. Um, one TikTok fan said, Oh my God, I'm running to the supermarket to get the ingredients and make this deliciousness. If you can't let go of Biscoff, though, there are ice lattes with that flavor too. Um, but sweet tooth coffee lovers, you will be an absolute chocolatey divine heaven. So we're about to uh, hit the uh, summer solstice and it's Father's Day tomorrow. So happy Father's Day to my dearest papa, Peter, my dear boy. Happy Father's Day to you. I hope you have a lovely time. Make sure you just get over back, you know, back across from the uh, caravan park. Um, I have to explain it. He's not like a gypsy or anything. He's not a gypsy. He's not like crossing people's palm with silver or reading tea leaves or uh, brushing uh, heather over people's, um, you know, other regions. Who knows? He doesn't do that, though. But he has a you know, caravan park. Uh, but um, happy Father's Day uh, to you. I've discovered, though, I do like... Um, the Scarlet Pimpinella foods. So, just to illustrate this, I like foods with things hidden inside. You know, this isn't something like something creepy. It's not like the Conjuring or something. But I like a Kiev. I like pita bread. You know, with with uh, bits of meat salad inside the pita. Uh, I like pies, meat pies. Love, love a beef and uh, beef mushroom Guinness pie. Chicken and mushroom is absolutely delicious. And of course. Oh, behold, the Cornish pasty. Empanadas as well. Love a little bit of spice to the pasty. And that's basically an empanada. Breakfast burrito, one of my staples. It's one of my, uh, It's you know, people have, say they need their seven a day vegetables or whatever. One of my seven is the breakfast burrito. I like my food very stealthy. So I like I like things hidden. I like the surprise, cutting into the Kiev, having a, cre- a creamy sort of cotton bleu, type of sauce inside or buttered garlic or something along those lines um so i mean i like things hidden things are more like a victorian bathing suit than a thong or a banana hammock okay so it's pims o'clock uh, we did look at pims a little bit last year last summer but the history of pims is almost as british as a cup of tea pims is a staple summer drink some or most parts of the british summer events wimbledon the chelsea fellow so polo matches the Henley Royal Regatta, uh, graduation ceremonies at every garden party will be serving the drink that's almost as British as a cup of tea. There's no doubting the popularity of the drink. And, uh, and it's been a staple at summer parties for as long as it existed. But where did the tradition come from? In 1840s, a man called James Pym, who was based in the financial district of London, invented and marketed the very first Pym's. It wasn't just a drink, though. History shows us something different for the beginnings. At this time, there was a huge focus on health benefits of drinking tonics, as well as the health properties of breathing in sea air or taking a dip in the sea to cure the ailments. Pims was invented as a health tonic. Uh, Mr. Pym was uh, trying to aid the healthy lifestyle of people, and his idea only grew from strength to strength. The tonic was a gin-based drink that also contained a secret mix of herbs and other liquids that was also used to aid digestion. Mr. Pims offered the tonic in a small tankard-style cup, which was known as the number one cup. 
So that's how the Pimm's Cup came to be. The uh, tonic's popularity soared and in 1859, Pimm's began to sell the products commercially. The product began to be drunk for pleasure as well as health and Mr. Pimm soon sold the rights to use his name on the product to a Frederick Sawyer. Further sales were made of the product and also sold globally to match the British Empire's building of the time in India, Australia, Caribbean and Canada. By 1887, there was a whole chain of Pimm's Oyster Houses success. Uh, so over time, he developed the brand, uh, the new cups to extend their range. Uh, Pims number two, number three, uh, also World War II Pims launched cup number four. In the 1960s, the introduction of number five, number six. This sounds like a garden party for me. I often have six Pims cups. Also, the uh, number three cup was branded the Winter Cup. It's a brandy variant of the drink. It includes spices and indeed orange peel. We have some brilliant catchphrases today, but Pims O'Clock is one of the best. Uh, the drink retains its popularity and has become the quintessential British summertime drink, with the Pimm's Royal Cup being a firm favourite for the recent Royal celebrations over the, over the recent times. The Royal Cup mixes the classic number one Pimm's Cup with champagne, and that's as good as it gets. So, as I was doing my uh, morning absolutions, walking the dog, the last two or three mornings, there's been a huge behemoth of an RV camper van uh whatever you want to call it motorhome are uh, you know again what what are these things called it's a huge vehicle it's a leviathan of a uh, of a of a motor vehicle and everything's in it i mean from tvs to showers there's probably a hot tub in there he can probably uh lean against the wall and get a massage uh from one of those uh piston gun type things i mean it's it's pretty amazing and fairly big windows. So for the last couple of mornings, I've uh, sauntered by. I'm not a nosy person, certainly not a nosy person, I, and I'm not a voyeur, definitely not a voyeur. Um, but every morning he, he starts, he, you know, he gets up and uh, he, uh, he sees me walk by and he starts doing his morning stretches, his lunges. I don't want to see a slightly rotund aged man doing lunges first thing in the morning. I mean, that's not the sort of cock crowing I want to see, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's, it's awful. Everything's saggy. Uh, hair coming out of every orifice, it seems. I just don't want to see it. Now, if that just happened on one occasion, that's fair enough. You know, if it had been a one-time thing, you know... Uh, a sort of, uh, you know, sort of maybe a morning version of a one-night stand. You know, I don't want to see it anymore. I don't want to see it any time. But once, probably will burn into the retina. Uh, twice, um, I don't know. I mean, I may need therapy. But anyway, the second morning, um, well, he was he was wearing the tighty whities this time. But, you know... Sometimes if the uh, if the holster's a little bit too small, the gun's not going to fit in it, if you know what I'm saying. And that's what I saw the second day. The second day, he, um, you know, he was doing his, his sort of stretches. I, I think this guy is a voyeur. And, and I don't know if that makes me a peeping Tom. I really don't hope not. But I, I don't want to be seeing this. I need to probably get, on the third day... It's almost like a biblical story. And the third day he rose again. Well, I don't think this chap's going to rise again, if you know what I'm saying. But, uh, 
it, it, the third day, I need some of those horse blinkers on, racing horse blinkers, uh, just so I can look ahead. I don't want my dogs to see it as well. Maggie's it's Maggie's birthday today. She's only one years old. She doesn't need to be seeing these sort of things going on, these shenanigans in the morning. I mean, pull the blinds down, man. You know, you've got blinds, you've got everything in here. You probably have blinds and curtains. Double it up so I don't see anything. Do it, double bag it, so to speak. I don't want to see anything. So pull those blinds down and then you can do your little stretches and your downward dogs um, and your flying eagles, you know, and um, probably your constipated chickens or whatever it is in peace in peace you don't want me to be, i don't want to be looking i don't need that in my life at the moment it's trauma with a capital t so i want to talk a little bit about cola boy this is an artist that i discovered um in the uh, in the london times it was uh, it was yesterday and i just want to read the review of his latest album so Cola Boy, it's prosthetic boombox is the name of the album. Uh, born with spina bifida, Matthew Arango from Oxnard, California, is a Latino activist whose condition has left him with a helium-like voice that lends itself to harmony-rich McCartney-esque soft rock. The voice um, comes to the fore on an inventive and emotional debut that brings elements of smooth disco and left-field pop into songs that reflect on a life of disability benefits, reduced expectations and everyday working class struggles, but in a joyous fashion. It is a fabulous album. Cola Boy, Prosecute Boombox. Don't Forget Your Neighbourhood is a collaboration with the Australian band The Avalanches that calls us on to remember our roots, while on Kid Born in Space Durango dreams of life where he doesn't have to feel them stare. This is a unique album, equal parts playful and poignant. It's an absolutely stunning album, I have to say. Uh, so, I mean, going a little bit more uh, in depth on uh, on this interesting young gentleman. Uh, Californian summers in Oxnard, Ventura County played an important role in the formation of Cola Boy. Whether it was the sweltering afternoon spent sandwiched in a blow-up pool with his twin brother, their father listening to Bob Marley, or years later, the punk gigs he attended as a teen during the long summers in Oxnard, the place he was born, where he still lives today. There is a sound that feels particularly indebted to his hometown, a luminous blend of disco, funk, Latino and pop, of which is suitably representative of Oxnard's rich cultural diversity. On top of that, the uh, palatable non-conformist energy, one that informs both his musical input and his commitment to local activism is impossible to separate from this time. Um, you had the Oxnard City punk scene, uh, a somewhat mecca for the punk scene, uh, but he's broken away. I mean, he was born at Spina Bifida in Donald Trump's America. A year from now, I hope I'm alive, he says. I hope that I have more cool instruments to play and record. I hope that I'm meeting more disabled people, more politically minded people, those who are fed up and believe in the people. People that can uh, F some shit up in a good way, a transformative way. This guy is so good. It's, it's, he's, a, he's a brilliant artist. And on the musical edition of the podcast, uh, you'll be able to get to hear some of his songs. The Avalanche song, and I, I think I'll play one more. But this guy is so good. It's very uplifting. It's a wonderful story. But forget the spina bifida. Forget the disability. Forget the diversity side, even. This guy's a great artist. You put him up against anybody and you think this guy has something. 
He's very new, very interesting, and it's harmony rich. I think I need, I, I seriously do need a Pim's Cup right now, because, ugh, garden tours. So I see advertised in the neighborhood where Champy Towers is situated for the moment. Champy Towers is downsizing, um, but, you know, I'm going to have a, uh, I think, a special made studio in a closet. I'm going into the closet, not coming out of the closet, but going into the closet, I think, in the future. But garden tours, they're advertising. So these garden tours, I mean, are they judged? Is it like the queen coming around? Oh, there's beautiful lines in your lawn there. Uh, wonderful lines in the lawn. I decree that you have the most perfectly manicured lawn in the whole of Great Britain. I mean, something along those lines. But no, these are nosy neighbours. These are neighbours who want to get into your business. They want to see what's going on behind the closed gates. You know, behind the flickering curtains. That's what they want to see. I see these garden tours. So people going around looking at other people's gardens. It's like somebody who's very, very tall, a beanpole type character, peering over the cubicle in the lavatory. I mean, it's like, you know, they're peering over, looking at your geraniums, uh, you know, re realizing that you haven't added enough manure to those geraniums, so they're not growing as quite as well as you wanted. Uh, looking at where your weeds may be in odd places, if you have weeds. You know, they need to be clipped back or sprayed, or you need, uh, you know, some special pill to get rid of them. Um, and, you know, and they're looking over, once again, peering over. Oh, what a lovely orchid you have. I mean, it's these sort of things that are going on. It's, it's, it's absolutely awful. It's very nosy neighborish, and um, I'm not too keen on it, you know. And if you have dogs, it may be there's a stray dog turd that you haven't picked up. And that could be, you know, that could be a bit of an issue too. It's, it's, it's people putting, putting their noses up in the air and judging you for having too many weeds. Maybe you haven't even picked the leaves up from last year. I mean, I, do I have to, do they have to be invited in to do this garden tour? Or do they just peer at the fence and judge you? But I think it would be a rather harsh Simon Cowell looking over the fence. Uh, uh, this, guy, this guy never goes out in the garden. He can't do. It's so messy. That's my fear. It's, it's letting it's letting people into the um, into the secret garden. You know, I, I'm a fan of the secret garden, where you let everything grow. It's like the Jehovah's Witness who went to the uh, went to the door, uh, knocked on the door, and um, you know, and the gentleman answered the door and said, uh, and the Jehovah's Witness said, "Oh, what a beautiful, manicured, delightful garden you have! Beautiful roses, everything's so it's symmetrical and oh, wonderful." And the guy said, "Well, uh, if if I left it to God's work, there'd be a, a bunch of bloody weeds growing up." I mean, that, it's that sort of thing. And I like the weeds. I like the secret garden look. I like the wildness of it. it doesn't have to be manicured. So I want to introduce you ladies and mantelpieces to a new song. It's a summer song with very traditional winter tune. It's perfect for the barbecue season. So let's just have a gentle drum roll 
and then we'll get right into the new song that I want to teach you. <coughs> yeah, I can't crack my knuckles, so here we go. I'm dreaming of a chicken breakfast just like the ones that were made before when the skin is crispy and meaty and like all bratwurst I ate before I'm dreaming of a poultry bratwurst just like the ones I used to dine on when the skin was crispy and the meat was juicy just like the sausages of the past so father has turned into some sort of uh, paleontologist, archaeologist with his metal detector. So he, uh, you know, he goes out with this buzzer-laden device into the uh, into the earth of the uh, countryside in deepest, darkest, darkest East Anglia, uh, looking for also you know Roman gold coins, lost wedding rings. I mean, whatever he can find, basically. Um, but he was doing some digging the other day, and. Um, he, he did find, uh, you know, suddenly the alarm went off and he started digging with a shovel, you know, a little bit more delicately with a trowel and then with his bare hands and a little delicate brush where he just brushed off the mud and the dirt and all the umska. And um, he, he found this oval-shaped object. I mean, it was like a egg. An ancient egg buried in the uh, in the turf in the sod and he's very excited never seen anything like this before I mean I, I think he decided maybe to call the Natural History Museum I don't know if he did or not he started doing some searching around in the internet uh, some of those you know even uh, some of those devices where you take a picture and see what it is and it seems like that he had found an ancient world version, an antiques rojo version of one of Gwyneth Paltrow's yoni hoo-ha eggs. So Daddy Dares found a Gwyneth Paltrow yoni egg deep in the turf. I mean, this might have been an egg that was developed by Nefertiti back in Egyptian times. You know, where you slip into the bath of ass's milk and here's the egg. And where's the egg gone? It's uh, disappeared. I don't know where the egg's gone. It's disappeared. Here today, gone tomorrow. So maybe Gwenny stole the idea from an ancient Nefertiti fertility egg that father found in the East Anglian turf a few days ago. And uh, probably be making the rounds on social media. I mean, it's not something that I would uh, eat with a piece of uh, chicken bratwurst on toast. I wouldn't eat the Nefertiti egg or the Gwenny egg, the Yoni, the ancient Yoni. 
between uh, two slices of bread and a sausage. Don't think I'd do that. Uh, possibly if it's sterilized, potentially. But there we go. Yoni eggs found in East Anglia. Just waiting for the call from Gwenny, really, to ask for it back. So, trample trombone time, uh, looking at some of the uh, bloody awful headlines of the week. And is it a trump or indeed a trombone? Uh, AI lip readers are being used on baby sitters with parents getting alerts wherever foul language is used. The better than human tech could soon be possible to scan CCTV footage across in the UK following tests of workers and hospital patients. Skylark's chief uh, scientist, Aramot Singh, said the company's AI tech can detect about 50 words associated with swearing, abuse and violence. He said it's being used in private homes in India and being piloted by the Indian government. Uh, so, you know, you don't want any sweary, uh, sweary babysitters, definitely. I mean, next it'll be an AI crypto Bitcoin uh, swear jar. All F words stored in the cloud. And Twitter users had uh, hashtag what's in the Queen's handbag trending after she cut the cake with a sword uh, last weekend. The hashtag became trending on the platform after Her Majesty brought smiles and laughter to the Eden Project in Cornwall uh, with her unusual cake cutting methods. The Queen joked with Kate Middleton and Camilla Parker Bowles at the G7 summit that she had swapped a knife for the longer blade saying, I don't think it's going to work. Uh, social media users reacted by posting many weird and wonderful suggestions on what the monarch could be carrying around at public ceremonies with uh, everything from a burner phone uh, to the portal to Narnia. Uh, Janet Ellis suggested the monarch had all the supplies of a British granny, a couple of Werther's originals, a cotton hanky chief, uh, pink flowers in the corner, her Halifax saving books, uh, premium bonds and a bottle of Vicks Vaporub. Uh, the Queen's handbag is Mary Poppins, carrying the Queen's real handbag uh, with all sorts of uh, potions and lotions uh, inside of it. I mean, maybe she keeps a uh, polished brass knuckle, uh, a knuckle duster inside of a handbag to keep uh, Prince Harry and Meghan in line, potentially. And villagers erect a massive penis statue to successfully end devastating drought. The supersized phallus or phallid kick in Thai appears to be successful. After two days, it was set up in the street in Thailand uh, in one of the provinces and there was a short rain shower. Uh, the supersized phallus, phallus kick, um, it was erected on June the 9th in response to farmers' concerns there hadn't been enough rain. This week's local village herdman, Shaman Chanakon, uh, told a press conference that on June the 11th, just two days after the giant penis was installed, it started raining uh, within, uh, within half an hour of uh, erecting the penis. Um, I'm not sure if I want a manhood monsoon. The surrounding area would smell like a teenager's sock. Um, a mop-up operation could be, you know, a very sticky affair. So those of you who are taking minutes on the uh, show, uh, can you just remind me next week to do a cheese-related story? Uh, scientists played music to cheese as it aged, and hip-hop produced the funkiest flavor. So just take a quick note of your you know, memo to Chappie. Uh, don't forget the cheese story next week. Thanks very much. Memo over. It's been lovely having you here, these two shows this week, yesterday's England Scotland uh, tribute uh, show, and today where it was just a continued eccentric uh, nonsense that we always have. Uh, so if you, uh, you know, if you think you're going to have a Pim's Cup, go and have a Pim's Cup. Like and subscribe to this uh, podcast. It does help. It helps my ego a little bit. 
gets it up in the charts. We're still sailing high in some of the charts around the world. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Uh, if you like the audio version, uh, you can listen across most platforms like Apple Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Pandora, all of those, and many more. If you like a little bit of music, if you like to get your jig on, then listen to the musical Butler Emporium edition on Spotify, where we've had some wonderful uh, songs today. I introduced you to Cola Boy. Uh, there's more Cola Boy coming up in a little bit. Uh, XTC, Britney Spears, 1975, uh, also Notorious B.I.G., Evelyn Champagne King, Madonna, uh, uh, McCartney, Coolio, uh, The Pretenders. I mean, lots packed in to a very small little jukebox. Uh, but... Uh, Thank you very much for all your support. So today on Juneteenth, uh, we finish with a rather lovely poem, Free at Last. General Granger brought the news to Galveston. The war is over. President Lincoln signed a decree, the Emancipation Proclamation. All who live in bondage here shall be now until be free. After 300 years of forced labor, hands bound, descendants of Africa picked up their souls all that they owned, leaving shackles where they fell on the ground, headed for the nearest resting place to be found. Some went no further than the shack out back, oft only to lean to shed, hard ground for a bed, hard labour, no pay, but will to survive. Though they couldn't call it their own, they still declared, this is my home. Some went to the nearest place to the Lord, to some hollow place or brush, or to the clearing in a grove where the folk gathered neath the still standing tree and said thank you jesus for delivering me some ran as far as they could go into the service of a man on the neighboring land working for the pittance and a little plot of space much like they did as a slave some being beeline to nearest saloon singing a song picking a tune toasting the union and lady luck setting to flow dancing the jig and buck patting themselves in the whip scarred backs carousing from night into day they went the way of the river, following the Rio Grande or swimming up the flowing Mississippi, hasting to get as far as they could, thrusting their futures into sanctuary, friendless unknown territory. Some kept running like a stone on the hill, never to grasp a firm place to rest. Some even went to the promised land whenever they went alone or abreast. At the end of the journey, they cried, I've done my best every year in the Lone Star State, in towns from sea. Sons and daughters are the ones who were held to celebrate the time their forebears got the news. The war was over, all men were free. They always remember, they'll never forget Juneteenth, when their forebearers could shout, free at last, alleluia, I'm free. Very poignant uh, end uh, to the podcast. Thank you very much for listening uh, to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I shall be back next week. Until then, cheerio. <laughs>